I have a confession to make. I had the idea to write a book for years before I finally put pen to paper and published the book. So the big question is this, how do people like me who battle doubt and insecurity push past their fears and publish a book? Well, that is the question, and this podcast is going to give you the answers. So join me as I bring you behind-the-scenes interviews and insights so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. Have you ever wanted to sit down with a multi-best-selling author? And hear it straight from them, what it takes to succeed as an author. If your answer is yes, I have a treat in store for you today. This week's guest is a special one. Cheryl Pelote-Williamson stopped by Publishing Secrets to talk about her latest project, but we went even deeper. As a matter of fact, I had to throw my plan questions out of the window because I was so intrigued by Cheryl's story and her words of wisdom. Cheryl takes us to school in this episode. She talks about longevity. She talks about the mistakes that she's made along the way in hopes that we will learn from her mistakes. And she gives us the fuel that we need to chase our God-given dreams with passion. Listen, I want you to grab a notebook, a pen. You've got to jot down some notes. This is going to blow your mind. Enjoy. Sarah, welcome to Publishing Secrets. So excited to have you with us. I'm honored to have you here as I have been researching you and learning about you. You are an inspiration to me as a Christian author and a businesswoman. So I just know that people are going to be blessed by this interview. I'm looking forward to going behind the scenes with you and talking about your success, but also about your challenges, because I know it's not always easy. But first, let's start with this exciting book that is going to be coming out soon. Will you share with our listening audience the name of the book and why it was so important for you to write it? The upcoming book is soulful affirmations. And the reason that I decided to do that is because so many people struggle with the power of believing that they can be anything that they believe. So I decided to partner with 67 amazing men and women to share the words that they pour over themselves every single day in order to inspire a nation into believing the best of themselves unapologetically and in relentless pursuit of God's excellence. Wow, that's amazing. 67 authors yes. have contributed to this book. You yes. got to tell me, how did you, how did you rally 67 authors to be a part of this work? That's amazing. I will tell you how it happened. It is truly God. I actually wrote down, I received 60 people for this book. I wrote that every day before I started the project. I advertised on social media in the private groups of co-authors that I have already authored books with. So it didn't take me any time to get 67 people to be a part 
of this project with me. And when I say no time, I mean no time. In fact, many of the co-authors in this book, they've been co-authors in my other book, which then leads to this. Why is it that people do books with me? Why do they want to do projects with me? Because I operate in excellence. I underpromise and I overdeliver in every single aspect of every project that I'm a part of, that I produce, because it's important that people see what excellence is supposed to look like. They have something to measure it against. So as a part of having these 67 people in this book, it gave me the opportunity to pour into people everything that God is pouring into me. What does it take to be excellent? What does it take to be a person of integrity? What does it take to follow through? Because I did have some authors that they turned in their things late. Mm. And I spoke to them from a business perspective because that's what books are. Books are a business. Books are a business. So you cannot take it lightly. The other thing with these 67 people, they are assigned to me, not attached to me. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference. Assignments give you life. Attachments drain you. Oh, that's good. That's Assignments good. <laughs> give you life. Mm-hmm. Attachments drain you. So these 67 people were people that were specifically designed to be a part of this project by God to me. And I don't take it lightly. And the project that we're going to place out into the world is a seed. It's a part of their seed that they have to deliver to the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm just the vehicle and a vessel that God used in order for them to gift these affirmations to the world. And for that, I am truly, truly grateful. Now, has it been easy? No, but I'm going to let you ask. Your <laughs> yes, let's talk about that journey. You know, there are a lot of people that desire to be authors. I think there's certainly a certain status that is associated with publishing a book. And, you know, it's also important, though, that we look at the full picture. I mean, even something that you've shared, Cheryl, that I find that many aspiring authors really don't process is books are a business. I'd like for you to talk a little bit more about what you mean by that and why it's so important for someone right now that's thinking about becoming an author to embrace that. It's important to embrace it because otherwise it's a waste of money, time, and resources. If you're not committed to the project or the book, it's not going to work for you. What do I mean by that? That means if you're not willing to put in the personal work yourself, your book will not sell. I don't care how many people you hire, your best marketer and promoter will always be you. It will always be you. I don't care if you pay $10,000, $15,000 to somebody to market your book. People are looking to you. So when, when I say books are a business, you have to decide how much money am I going to place into this project? How much am I going to put into marketing? How much am I going to sell the book for? How much time am I going to put into the book? Do I want it to be an Amazon bestseller? Do I want it to be a USA Today bestseller? Because your marketing strategy is going to be totally different if it's Amazon, New York Times, or USA Today bestseller. I find that a lot of people, they want to have this title of author, but they're not willing to put in the work, which is 
evident in the bank account because you are selling five or six books. Your mama has one, your daddy, your cousin, your immediate circle, but you can't penetrate globally because you're not willing to sell it on Instagram, sell it on Facebook, Barnes and Noble, Walgreens, call a corporation and say, hey, my name is Cheryl Pillow Williamson. I'm an author here in Texas. I was wondering if you all allow outside vendors in. Why? Yes, we do. Wonderful. I would love to come in at lunchtime and share my book with your employees. I can tell you the average person won't do that because they're scared of the no. Yeah. Fear stops them. Yeah. I I think you're absolutely right. I mean, many in our listening audience are struggling to get started writing, right? And now they're hearing you say, well, after I finish this book, then I have the potential to face rejection again. Have you always been this confident in your ability to ask for what you want? Or is that something that's had to develop within you? I will tell you, this is the way my parents raised me. So from the age of six, seven, eight, I've always been a person that asks. I was just having a conversation with someone and they were talking about boarding school. And that's always funny you say that. I said, I went to boarding school. She said, really? I said, yeah, I read an article in Seventeen Magazine and I went to my parents and I said, hey, I want to go to boarding school. And so it was because I asked. So my parents took me on these interviews. They knew it meant I would be leaving the home at 15 years old and going to boarding school in Tyrone, Pennsylvania to the Greer School for Girls. So to answer your question, had I not asked, My parents would have not even known anything about a boarding school, why I wanted to go or any of those things. So I say that because it's funny because we often hear about people saying receipts. I want to let you know I have receipts (laughs) that I'm sharing with you. I just feel like if I don't ask, I won't get. Mm. So, and the greatest thing that can happen is they tell me yes But I'll tell you, I thrive on no, because no is not now. And it always makes me look for another way to get to the yes. Mm. And that's what, as an author, as a business person, you can't accept no, even from yourself. See, a lot of times we're the biggest naysayers in our own life. We talk ourselves out of writing the book. We talk ourselves out of turning the book into a film. We talk ourselves out of being a best-selling author. We talk ourselves out of selling a thousand copies because in our mind, it's, I'm not good enough. The thing is, we have to take that chance. We have to take that chance. It is so many people. Think about Amanda Gorham. Her book is not even published yet. And the publishers have already given her a million copy run. What does that say? Anything is possible if you believe. Jill Biden heard her speak and then put her on a national platform. So for the people who are listening to us, if you don't write your book, it'll never be written. If you don't publish your book, it will never get out to the masses. If you don't get your book out to the masses, you can hold nobody responsible but yourself. For the people that say, oh, I've been writing this book for 12 years, stop it. It does not take 12 years to write a book when you sit down and decide, you know what? My story is worth telling. I'm going to sit down and finish this book. Hmm. My story is worth telling. 
Tell us about the role of faith, because I, I hear faith through everything that you're saying, even as you said, it, I could hear, you know, if you ask not, I mean, it's not going to happen, right? right? So tell us about this, this role of faith in your journey as an author and as a businesswoman. How has that made a difference for you? It's made a difference for me because there is nothing that anybody can tell me that's impossible for me. What's impossible for somebody who has no faith is not impossible for me. So writing books, doing film, plays, being an executive producer, owning boxing clubs as a woman, it's because of my faith. I don't allow anybody to talk me out of what God has told me to do. And see, I hold God on the highest standard. Man can't even get close to where God is in my life. I'm willing to have the Noah effect in every single aspect of my life. And people ask me, what does that mean, Cheryl? That means that I'm going to build the ark while you're standing on the bank trying to figure out what I'm doing. That means that I'm willing to go and get the animals and gather the food. I'm not going to make time to explain to you what I'm doing. I'm not going to make time to convince you that you should come aboard and do it too, because I am so convinced in my spirit that if I do what God leads me to do and tells me to do, that I can't help but hear job well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. And that's how I live my life. All I want to hear at the end of the day is job well done, my good and faithful servant, period. So I'm willing to be hated by people. I'm willing to do it afraid. I'm willing to do it alone. I'm willing to do it when there's no money in the bank. I am willing to write the book, do the film, do it alone, do it afraid, do it when people are saying that'll never happen for you because they don't realize that God is whispering to me, go girl, go. And I always say, oh, I love it when he calls me girl, because <laughs> I'll lean in and he's like, girl, I have something for you. And I just lean in and he's like, do this book next. That's how all the sequence of books, 17 books, you're talking about somebody who writes books inside children's journal books. And I have somebody <laughs> type them up for me because I don't feel like one, I don't really am not interested in typing. That's first and foremost. And then that's not a skill that I mastered. When I was in college, typing wasn't a big deal. I paid people to type my papers. I know that's right. <laughs> so, you know, with me, I operate in my gifting. And my gifting is having faith enough to believe and hold God to his promises. I keep my faith and trust in God. And I do what? Love man and trust God. All my trust and faith is in God because man will turn on you in a minute. You're right about as it. As long as the circumstances are right. The right circumstances, any man will turn on you, but not God. So I can't help but walk out in faith. So if he says do it, when I tell you I'm willing to do it, I do it. And I do it unapologetically. And I don't answer people's questions. Well, why? How do you know that that is going to work? How do you know that it won't? That it won't work. Yeah. Yeah. You just believe. You take God at his word and you step out and walk out on it, right? Just walk out on, on water. <laughs> walk out on faith. In fact, I had this young lady, she called me the faith walker. And it's because 
people would be around us saying, oh, you know, that's not going to happen because it's not lined up properly. The thing is, see, my alignment is proper. My alignment with God supersedes (laughs) any alignment with man. As long as I'm aligned properly with God, I don't worry about all this other stuff that people are panicked about. I can't panic and walk in purpose. Wow. That's a message right there. I can't panic and walk in purpose. I can't. I won't. And I teach my children the same thing. You cannot panic and be purposeful. Mm-hmm. because one is going to supersede the other one. Okay. If you're in, in panic, you cannot, you will never fulfill your purpose because you're going to second guess everything. Mm-hmm. See, when I got to the point where I stopped second guessing, oh, should I do this book? How are people going to feel? My thing is, how does God feel about it? Mm. Let that God, be what God what does that look like? It's kind of like likes and views. When, when you're doing books and people say, oh, I don't know if I want to do that because people are not going to like it and how they're going to view it. Let me tell you my philosophy on that. I am most concerned whether I like me mm-hmm. and how God views me. So That's likes right. and views, any place outside of me liking me and how God views God me is views. of no consequence to me. That's powerful. That's powerful. Just follow, follow God. That's Do your it. thing <laughs> and let the chips fall where they and let the chips fall where they may. Now, I know that that could not have been easy, though. I mean, there have to be have been some challenges as you've walked this journey. Talk to us about some of the, the struggles even that you face today after all of the success, the 17 books and the films and all the magazine, all these things that you're working on. Of course. What are the challenges? Because I'm sure people are outside looking in thinking that life is easy street for you. Yes. Well, you, I, I deal with situations where, you know, people hate you for just no reason, or they feel like you should give them all the information that you have for free. Mm. And I don't roll like that. And I don't have to, because there's no place in the word of God where it says be broke. I know that's right. It's not. <laughs> and so people get prayers and pick your brain confused. So if you call Talk me and say, hey, Cheryl, would you pray for me? I'm going through a very difficult time. And they don't even have to give me the details. I'll pray for people all day for free. But what you're not going to do is call me or inbox me and say, hey, I see that you published, uh, you're producing a magazine. I want to pick your brain. This is what I want to do. That comes at a price. So then I'll just politely send them the link to book a consultation. And so then that's when people get upset. Well, you could have just answered a simple question. I could have. However, I don't have to. And I'm good with people not liking me because I choose to monetize what God has placed in my heart, in my gifts. I cannot give to the kingdom and help people if everything I do is free. That's right. Hence, that's why I have a nonprofit. I do what I want to do for free. Other than that, I'm not moved by people, you know, challenging me in my inbox and on Facebook about, oh, she wanted to charge you for a consultation. To me, that's crazy. 
for somebody to be upset. You want me to give you $10,000 of information for free for you to go charge somebody. Mm -hmm. What, What part of that makes good sense? None. So I don't even bother myself with that. I don't even revisit it. When they act crazy in the inbox, I don't even comment because for me, no response is the response because this is what I've learned. I cannot allow myself to take time to answer everybody who is unhappy about something because I have a finite time here. Time is not endless. See, I can make more money, but I can't make more time. So I have to be very conscious of how I spend the time that God allows me. So therefore, I do my very best to operate in a way where he's pleased. And if he's pleased, that's that's great for me. But I want to dig just, if I can, a little bit deeper into the question, some of the other part of the question that you asked me about difficulties. Some of the other difficulties, and this is for business owners, because as I said, books are a business. Ask people for referrals. Ask people and don't feel bad about asking them. What do I mean by that? That means if somebody is going to do a website for you and they're telling you it's $10,000 and you need to pay for it up front, you need to be asking, show me some prior work that you've done. Because what I have found is people are quick to send invoices, but slow to do work. Uh Uh-oh, tell the truth now. Very quick to invoice you, Mm -hmm. wanting all the money up front but never do the work. And I have to tell you, this journey, when I first started out, I let my heart for people Mm. see my business acumen. So I've been ripped off by many people, people who I paid to develop apps, people who I paid to do websites that I couldn't even use the website once they finished, people who did my website, who then stole money when book orders came in because they still had access to the website. So what am I saying with that? Those are the pitfalls of entrepreneurship. When people say, oh, you should address it publicly. It's not necessary because what I'm not going to do is drag another business down. They know what they did. And the thing is, no good will come from it. But I want to tell you that that is a pitfall that we go through as authors, that we go through as business owners. You have authors that pay publishers that the editing is poor. The book covers are poor. They didn't read the story, but they approve it. So you have to, in this book journey, you have to make sure that you're surrounded by people who are good at their job. I'm not an editor. I can write a story, but sometimes you're too close to the story. I'll say every time you're too close to your story for you to write, edit this, that, and you need to make sure that you're getting the help that you need. The other thing is check people out. Everybody cannot do what they say that they can do. And you can't feel bad when you ask for references or referrals or those types of things. Because I can tell you, I probably have lost close to forty dollars to $50,000 doing business with people who could not fulfill what they promised. And mm-hmm. then they get angry with you. And they feel like they need to publicly talk about you when you were the one paying the invoice for the work that they didn't perform. 
And so when I got to that place where what people said really didn't matter and I don't waste my time justifying or clarifying or whatever, something that I've paid you and you didn't fulfill the work, I just don't waste my time like that. So I want to encourage every author that may listen to this, hold people accountable for what they say that they can do. And don't let people, oh, you're supposed to be a Christian. The reason that they say that is because they didn't do what they were supposed to do, but they feel like you weren't supposed to say anything. Now, I'm not talking about using bad language, but I'm saying it is a way for you to say, hey, you sent me a contract for $2,000. It was supposed to be completed in four stages. This was the date that you promised that we're now six months past the date and it's not fulfilled. That has nothing to do with not being a good Christian, yep. that means being a good Christian business. Business, owner. yes, yes. I think that's what I think that's what the listening audience is really going to be blessed by with this is you're helping them to understand the business side of it. You know, often when I talk to aspiring authors, I said, you're an authorpreneur. You can't yeah. think of yourself as just somebody who writes books. You own a business. As soon yes. as you write that book and put it out there, you own a business. And if you can't accept that, then as you said, there's no point. And that means there are going to be upsides uh, to the journey in business, but there also are going to be downsides. And we've got to learn how to ask good questions, <laughs> asking for those referrals, looking for those reviews. I think sometimes, Cheryl, that in our rush to get things done and to try to save money as much as possible, I hear this, sometimes we try to kind of hope that it's going to work out, right? By working with people. What would you say? I mean, I've talked to many people on the podcast and they're doing all the pieces themselves, as you said, versus bringing people into the process. What is the price of that though? When you don't leverage the expertise and don't do the research and some of the business things that we're talking about today, how could that really hurt an aspiring author in their career? Because there is no such thing as a second impression. Hmm. What do I mean? And I will tell you, if you're not willing to admit that there is an error and clean it up, it can be detrimental. So I'm going to tell you two sides to that. So my very first book, I didn't pay attention as much attention to it as I should have. And there were errors in the book. So what I did is we were at the launch. I realized then. And so I announced to everybody, not at the launch, but the co-authors, I said, I will eat the cost to have this book republished, pull it off the market. I will give you 25 books for free and we'll go from there. So that's when I brought in a huge team of editors and this and that. Now, how did that help me? Integrity, credibility, and excellence. So now, if I had said, well, it's out there now, so you just deal with it. People wouldn't have done now 16. That was the first anthology. People would not have done now 16 other books because somebody from the first book would have said, you know what? You shouldn't do business with her because the book is not edited properly. She doesn't care. It's just about the money, blah, blah, blah. But because excellence is what I'm about, and people realize that. That's why I don't have problems getting people to do books with me, anthologies, film projects, or what have you. 
Now, from an individual contributor perspective, if your book is put out on the market and it looks like you ran the cover off in your house, people are not going to buy that book. They're just not. Cheryl, not a cover off the house. <laughs> it's the truth, though. Well, there's so many tools out there now. There's Canva and you know, you can find all these different things, but but what's the price? Look, I think you can talk on this now. You've written 17 books. I need people to understand that there's a trade-off, right? For making right. Those if you go and you don't put the best book out on the market, you're not going to sell any. You'll have a book. You'll be saying, oh, I published a book. And the first thing people see is the cover. So if the cover is not quality, the people are not going to read the book. If they open the book and they immediately see that your name is misspelled or it says forward, F-O-R-W-A-R-D, written by, people are not going to read the book. So now you've spent $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 to publish a book that nobody really wants to read. And then you feel some type of way. I heard you say that there are a lot of tools out there. Yes, there are. But I can tell you what happened to me. Somebody who I hired to do a cover for me was supposed to be an original cover. It was not. It was a cover that they got off Canva. So, of course, seven to 10 different people had that same cover on their books, on their postcards, on their memes. So it wasn't an original cover. So you want to deal with people who are going to operate and do what they say that they're going to do. When they say original cover, the original cover should not be one of the 2,500 choices that's on Canva. That's good. I'm just being honest. And I know this this may rub people the wrong way, but there is no way you should be charging people saying this is an original cover when you went to Canva and made a selection off Canva and then they see their book cover on 16 other people's books. It's not right. It's not. And it's and what so, our audience needs to hear. They need to know. They need to think about these things, yes, right? They need to think about editing is the big thing. Editing, editing, editing is the biggest thing. Editing, editing. Then you want to think about what does my cover look like? What is my, is my content? Can I build it out into seven other streams of income? Can I turn it into a film? Can I turn it into a mastermind class? Can I turn it into a calendar, a shirt, a podcast, whatever the case may be. So when you start writing a book, you want to, for me, I begin with the end Mm -hmm. in mind. What does this look like at the end? Okay. This particular book, I want to turn this into a TV series. So therefore, I need to make sure that I keep this going, that going, you know, so on and so forth. And people don't think about that. It's what you said. Let me just get this out as quick as possible. I'm not going to worry about editing, publishing. I just want to make sure it's out on the market because everybody has a book. That's not the attitude that we want to have. We want to make sure how is my book different? Mm. Who is this book to reach? What is the niche? Who am I wanting this book to reach? Where do I want to sell it? How can I sell it? Can I turn it into a conference? Is it just for women? Is it just for me to get something off my chest? See, you have to be clear about your why. When you're clear about the why on the days where you feel like you can't write, your why will be so great that you just keep writing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If it's to turn it into generational wealth for your family because you're going to use the proceeds from the books to buy 10 acres of land, that's your why. So you're going to keep writing. 
You even need to go and study book placement. Uh, one of my other books, I looked at book placement at Barnes and Noble and I said, okay, will it face forward? Does it fit on the shelf? Where will it go? Does it fit in people's purse? Is it easy to read? Is it colorful? I look at all the factors. Can women fit this in their purse? Will it fit in the glove box? See, these are things you need to consider when you write a book more than just, oh, I'm just going to write a book. If people buy it, they buy it. That's not a good attitude to have. You need to be thinking, okay, who is this going to reach? Who is this for? Yeah, I love that. You know, as we uh, work with authors, that's often an area that they haven't really thought about, right? They're thinking about the story they want to tell, but not realizing that there's a person that has to buy the book and the book has to reach them (laughs) in order for them to be willing to part with their money, right? So being really clear on who your ideal reader is, is critically important because it needs to be written for them. Absolutely. How am I the solution to someone's problem? And that's really at the end of the day, that's what people want to know. How are you the solution to my problem? How can you help me get through this situation with my child? How will your story get me through being molested? How will your story help me talk to my child about going to college? When you can help people recognize how you are the solution to their problem. You don't have to get on Facebook every day, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. All you have to do is say, have you ever been caught so deeply in despair that you contemplated taking your life? Mm -hmm. Well, I've been in that place. Let me show you the 10 steps that I took to get my mind right and focused on why my life was worth living. Yeah. And that's something that only you can do to your point. You know, we have to learn how to position ourselves on social and on email and tell our own story. Right. And just asking people to buy your book isn't going to do it. (laughs) What's in it for me is what the reader wants to know. How are you going to help me? How can you be the answer to my question and the solution to my problem is how I like to think about it. Cheryl, speaking of social media, why don't you share with the listening audience where they can connect with you and learn more about your book and your programs. Follow me on Instagram at Cheryl PW Speaks. I have a private Facebook group, which is Blessings Business and Collaborations. And that's where I share a lot of information and certainly would love to have them get a copy of Cheryl Magazine at CherylMagazine.com, where we interview everyday women who are doing phenomenal things that the world needs to know about. Family, be sure to follow Cheryl, take advantage of the opportunity to learn more about her and her incredible journey. It will inspire you. Check out the book and the website. She also has some services out there. If if you've been inspired today uh, by what she has shared, then she is more than willing to partner with you to help you find the courage to move boldly in the direction that God has called you to. Well, you've given us so many nuggets. I want to respect your time. Listen, if you had an opportunity to sit down with our listening audience. Just pretend that you're in a room and you've got a fireside chat going on with them. And even after all that you've said, they are struggling with finding the courage to move forward with their book. What is the number one piece of advice that you would give them today to challenge them to move forward? I would challenge them to write down everything that they see within themselves but in a positive. I am blessed. I am healed. 
I am a best-selling author. I am a filmmaker. I have no debt. I attract wealthy donors to the vision that God has given me. I receive preferential treatment. The reason that that's important is because it all starts with them. They are the writer of the book. They are the liver of their dreams. They are responsible to deliver the dream that is in their heart. So I would work with them to hold themselves to that eye. And once you start believing in yourself, you don't need the world to believe in you because you believe so much in yourself that eventually the world will come along. And even if they don't, your eye is so powerful that nobody can tell you that you're not. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode of Publishing Secrets where our mission is to inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God. If this episode has been a blessing to you, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, then rate and review. And if you want support in your journey, whether you are a current author or an aspiring author, then join us on Facebook in the Christian Authors Network. Wherever you are in your journey, we have the best next step for you. So join us there and get the support that you need to make the impact that you have been called to make. Until next time, God bless.